Hello, and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about different topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist, the passion for helping busy adults tone up, lose body fat, and feel good. I am so excited, Dr. Kristen Raboe. How good does it feel to have that doctor title finally in front of your name? <laughs> it feels amazing. It still doesn't feel real, honestly. It's so weird when people call me that, but... <laughs> That's uh, so great. And if people, yes, and if people don't know who you are, you are also Fit Crizzle on Instagram, which is really how I first met you via social media. So it's really cool how uh, things have changed over the years. I think I had been following you for like since you started, like what four, maybe five years really? ago. Yeah, say so I started actually. I started my account when I was a third year medical student, so it's probably been six years now almost. So it's it's been a while. Yeah, that is so amazing. For fitness. <laughs> okay, so I just want to dive right in because as you mentioned, you know, you started this Instagram account that has gained a lot of traction over the past six years. And you did this while you were in medical school. Like, how did you get involved in the fitness industry or like, even decide to start this fitness account? Yeah. So I actually grew up doing um, gymnastics. I started when I was like five years old and did that through um, until like middle of high school. I was 16 when I quit. I was a level nine and I was just getting injured like right and left, tore my ACL, had surgery, went back, tore my meniscus in the same knee again, got another surgery, went back. It was just like nonstop injury. So if it, like, I finally just kind of got fed up with getting hurt all the time. So I just quit. And then I started diving, like springboard diving in high school. And I did that for a couple of years and decided I wanted to take that with me to college. So I did dive. I was a walk-on at a D1 school for undergrad. And I did that for a couple of years. And that's really the first time I ever like weight trained. Like we always did like kind of like cardio, more focused like workouts with gymnastics and we did do strength training two times a week for diving, and I really liked it. I'd never done it before. I had no idea what I was doing, um, but I really like always looked forward to doing it. And then once I quit diving, because I wanted to focus more on like my education in school, studying for the MCAT and all that, to focus for med, like prepare for med school. I quit and realized I had like no idea how to like work out or stay healthy or anything about fitness or nutrition or anything. I had like grown up being so active that I could pretty much eat whatever I wanted. And like, it still had like six pack abs because I trained so much growing up. So I realized quickly that I couldn't follow the same diet. <laughs> and um, I, I started doing like cardio and I really like hated it. I, I was just like a cardio bunny on like the little elliptical for like 45 minutes a day. And I just always dreaded going to the gym. And that's like all I would do. So I started doing weightlifting instead, and I really enjoyed it. And I just kind of fell in love with it over time and really enjoyed training. And eventually, that's when I kind of started sharing my journey because I started following people on Instagram. That's when it started to get a little bit um, bigger on social media a couple years later. And I was like posting a lot of stuff to like just my regular account, like my non-fitness account. And I was probably like, annoying everybody with all the fitness 
and nutrition stuff like content on there. So my friend messaged me. I was like, you should just make your own separate like fitness account. I don't know why I had never thought of that. Like you had to be like some big influencer to be able to do that. So I, I made that from scratch and then, you know, here I am. So it just kind of grew over time. I had no idea like it would turn into this and it would grow to the extent that it did. I just like sharing you know, my workouts and motivation and inspiration, I just find it really uplifting to follow people that are like-minded and, you know, it's like a whole community now of people that share that passion. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I said this on another episode and I've actually, I've said it on a couple of episodes is I keep meeting so many people that have done college athletics and they don't know how to transition out of being a college athlete into being an adult who works out because when you're in college and you're an athlete or if you've been an athlete your entire life, it looks so vastly different than from what we maybe need to do as adults because one, like your 18, 19, 20-year-old body is not the same as your 30-year-old <laughs> body. Not the same. It's not. It needs different types of movement and what you were doing then, like you might not be like springboard diving or moving as much as you were walking around campus, you know? And so we have to make that transition. And I, I hear it a lot that it's just, it's really difficult for people. And it's something that so many of the guests I've had on this podcast identify with. And so it's a common theme that I find to be really interesting and should be a huge note for athletic trainers to make sure that their college athletes do know how to do that when they are finished. Because a lot of them, it is, again, a common recurring theme I am seeing every single time I record a podcast and hear that from people. Yeah. And I guess it's just like so different too, because when you're an athlete, you have someone that's like giving you structured workouts and telling you what to do all the time. So when you don't have that anymore and you just go out on your own, you're like, what, where do I even start? Like, how do I even, you know, where do I begin? You know, I don't even know like workout works, what muscle group or anything like that. Like I had to learn that all from scratch and it's not like I went to, you know, physical therapy or I'm a personal trainer or anything like that, but learning, learning all that. Did you learn most, did you learn most of that on social media? Yeah, I really did. Like I, I learned, I learned things from like, you know, like big influence, like Megan Grubb and Kayla It Signs with like the BBG community or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would do those workouts as well. And like Ashlyn. And I just like slowly would like start adding more and more people because then it would show me like how to work out and, you know, how to structure workouts based on the muscle groups. Like I would just go in and do a bunch of random stuff and not like even target anything towards a specific goal or a specific muscle group. I would just go in and do random stuff. So it really helped me learn how to put together a workout. Yeah. And obviously things have changed and things are ever evolving in fitness and on social media. But I think that was kind of a thing. I learned everything I know from Heidi Summers and I always like, I love her. (laughs) I love Buff Bunny because I watched every single YouTube video and I would write down the workout she was doing in those videos and then would take them into the gym and kind of move things around or take one exercise I really liked and pair it with another to create programs. But I think that when these YouTubers or people on social media were getting big, none of these people from my understanding really were personal trainers or they were just kind of starting their journeys and sharing just like you are. And there was a lot of 
quote unquote randomness to it. It was sort of like, here are 10 exercises that I do to create this workout. And maybe they didn't make sense, but at least they were getting people moving and getting people excited to get into the gym. And I think that alone is also a huge point. Like, yes, we want to create awesome programs, but the fact that people are getting in the gym and trying things that they had never tried before is like pretty impressive in itself. Yeah, I totally agree. And I was like, so I don't know, like, you know, the age group wise here, but I graduated college in like 2014. So like, I feel like then it wasn't really like there weren't very many girls like in the weightlifting area. Like now there's like, it's like divided equally. I feel like there's more girls that are more confident going into the weightlifting area, lifting weights, working out, you know, being strong versus when I was in college, it was more like everyone just wanted to be skinny and all the girls were on like the cardio machines and ellipticals and all the guys were in like the weight area. And there was like a huge divider between like girls and boys. And like it yeah. did not really mix. I agree. <laughs> so, like, girl walks in the weightlifting area and everyone just like stares, which is even more intimidating. Like I really don't even know what I'm doing. And now I have all these people staring at me. It just makes me even more self-conscious to be there. This is actually why I think that social media has really benefited the fitness community because I think there's just been a really big shift in terms of like the goals of a lot of people. And I think that it's showing females and showing women that they can do certain things that they maybe were fearful of before. I bodybuilding became a little bit more popular. My, I would say like my freshman, sophomore year of college is when I finally, I'm right in the same age as you, but that's really when I started seeing other people kind of getting into it. And it was something I had never heard of before. I mean, I've said heard of it, but I didn't know women were like doing bodybuilding, but I think that's when it started to get a little bit more popular. And that's when women started to want to like build muscle. But I remember I dated somebody in college and I told him I wanted to compete And I told his parents because we were like going to visit them and they were like disgusted and they were like, ew, we would that that body is so disgusting. We would never want to see you look like that. And it's so interesting to think of that interaction back and be like, oh, my gosh, like one, I wonder if they still feel that way. And two, it's come such a long way that I think people's perspective or their views on it has have like drastically changed. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it really has changed and it's more welcomed and accepted, I guess, for for women to be, you know, weightlifting and trying to grow strong instead of just focusing on being skinny and losing weight and, you know, that's viewed as yes. healthy and and it's nice. I think type. that yeah, I mean, yes, there's obviously still negatives about social media, about bodies, about what women are quote unquote supposed to look like where people think that is supposed to be a certain look. But I think that because of social media and because of so many like well-known women working out and building muscle and talking about it, I think it's become a little bit more accepted for women to actually build muscle and not have to just be skinny. And I, yeah, I just, I just think it's all really cool. And I think social media is such a powerful tool, both positively and negatively. Now, how would you say that like growing this online platform has changed your life? Like, has it been a positive experience? Has it been negative somewhere in between? Yeah, probably somewhere in between. I mean, more positives than negatives, but I mean, obviously there's always negatives associated with it too. People just being like rude and harsh and judgmental. 
when they don't even know somebody. But I think for the most part, I mean, you can unfollow those people, you can block those people. And I just try to follow people that are positive and uplifting and have the same mindset. But I mean, overall, I'd say it's a positive experience. I'm, I'm so happy I made the page. It's given me so many like opportunities to work with like huge companies and meet people. And even like, I have like friends that like, you know, I've never met, but I feel like I have like this group of strong women, like supporting me and encouraging me throughout my journey, even though we've never met in person. And it's just like a nice, nice supportful group to have. And, you know, obviously working with huge, you know, fitness companies like Navigation and Waylon and, you know, First Form, like just big brands. I never would have imagined myself working with companies like that, especially starting off little old me, you know, had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but it's, it's been a great journey. And I'm just like, excited for the opportunity, even though, you know, it's not my full time, like full time job or like my, you know, main goal It's it's a nice like, side thing to have. To, it's a nice distraction to have from medicine and, you know, something else positive to focus on. Yeah. And I think people sometimes forget that fitness can be a really good hobby. People always you know, I love yeah, when people ask, like, what kind of hobby. hobbies do you have? I'm like, uh, I have one hobby and it's also my job. It's also like, there's so many things associated with it, but like, it's all I do. I think it's great though, that you have been able to work with some really cool brands. And I think social media can open up a lot of possibilities for people. And where was your mindset when you started this page? Were you like afraid to do it? Were you nervous or were you like fully confident in sharing something that you loved? I mean, I wouldn't say I was fully confident. I don't think I was like, I would just take pictures and and post what I was thinking. And that's pretty much it. Like that's kind of how it just started, you know, just posting my daily gym picture would work out, go home. And that was kind of it. I never thought it would grow into anything that it is. So I didn't really have many expectations, I guess, from like posting. But then like, you know, over time, I try to put like more, more content, more meaningful content and more relatable things behind it. But I mean, you know, it's always self conscious to put everything out there. And I try to be as like, forthcoming and open as possible about everything. Um, but I also go through phases of like not wanting anything to do with social media. Sorry, as I was saying, I definitely go through phases where I'm just like tired of social media or like kind of burnt out by it or frustrated by it, especially with how much has changed over the years with it. You know, you have to, I feel like you just have to have such amazing content to post. It has to be aesthetic, like aesthetically pleasing. It has to be this, that, and the other to be able to get the engagement, you know, to, for people to even see it, which is that that's the frustrating part to me now is, you know, I have this following, but I feel like sometimes most of my followers don't even see my posts. So yeah. that part gets frustrating. And then I just take a little break and then I'm like, I kind of forget about it. And then I'm like, hmm, I'm going to go back to posting again. And it's just kind of that swing. But that's my personal. Totally. No, it. I think that is a huge thing with it when it comes to content, especially if you are making money or working with brands on social media. Obviously, on the brand side of things, if you are posting a paid partnership or some sort of content for them, they're wanting it to perform. And then as a content creator, you might feel like, oh my gosh, my content isn't performing for them. And I think it does bring up maybe some insecurity. I mean, you are putting yourself on the internet and sharing everything about your life. You're sharing your body online and that can be a very intimidating thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. 
Even myself, when I first started my business, I I was training and I was teaching a lot of like group classes and stuff. And I had friends tell me, you know, you should start posting stuff on social media. So I also started a separate account and then realized I just couldn't manage a separate account. And if anybody was no longer interested in following me, then they could just like unfollow my personal account. But I had a we'll call it a quote unquote larger following and like 1500 friends on Instagram. And it was more than zero. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start sharing there. And it was really uncomfortable to even share that it was my business. You know, it's so scary to put yourself out there in a place that you might not feel comfortable. And that goes for anything. That's even goes back to starting something new in the gym is it's, it's really uncomfortable. And I keep coming back to this quote that I found recently because if you know me, you know I can't remember anything. So I'm trying to only stick with one quote since it's the most recent in my mind. But it's a Brene Brown quote, and it talks about courage and comfort and how we can be either courageous or we can be comfortable, but we can't be both at the same time. Um, and I just really love that quote. I feel like it it helps me a lot in everything I do, whether it's work or whether it's in the gym. You know, I want to try something new at the gym and push a new weight or hit some PRs. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to take courage to be able to like pick up that extra weight or do something I didn't know I couldn't do. Yeah. I like that quote. I've never heard that before, but it's very true. You have to like push yourself out of your comfort zone in order to like make progress or make change. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting nothing, you know, things to move forward or things to be different. So I think that's a good, that's a good quote. Okay. So Kristen, we obviously know social media is not your full-time career. This is a hobby of yours to post about your fitness journey and post about your experiences. So your full-time career, you are an ER doctor, correct? Yes. (laughs) Amazing. When I want to know what it's like to keep up a routine while going to medical school while being a practicing physician, because it is the one thing I hear the most often is that people are too busy or cannot find time to fit fitness into their lives. So how have you done it? Yeah, honestly, some days it's, it's, it's a question mark for me as well. Like, how do I even do that all the time? How do I even make that happen? But I think if you just make it, I like make it a priority and make it a part of your day and make it a part of your normal routine, then it all just kind of falls into place. You know, like I'm not like I, I work out every single day or, you know, have a set routine when it comes to fitness either, because being an ER doctor, I work days, I work nights, I work mornings, I work afternoons. Some days I work two days a week. Some days I work five, six days a week. Like it's, it's always different. So I don't really have a set schedule or a set routine which makes it a little bit difficult and different from most people. Like I don't have like a normal, just like nine to five. And then I go to the gym or work out in the morning and then I go to work, you know, like every day is different. So I just, I kind of, I only get my schedule like one or two months in advance. I get two months at a time and I kind of just like sit down and like look at my schedule, look at what days, you know, I could fit in a workout and kind of plan it around that. But, you know, some days I get off work and I just don't have the energy. I don't have the desire, you know, to, to go work out and that's okay. So I kind of just do the best that I can to fit it in when I can. And if I can't, then that's okay. I love the love. Yeah, no, I, I think that is super relatable because 
you're busy and you have things going on, but it sounds like you're also flexible and you give yourself the grace that's necessary. I think so many people, especially high achieving women, have a big challenge with all or nothing mindsets. If they don't go to the gym on Monday, then they're not going to go to the gym the rest of the week because they missed Monday. Or if they only have 30 minutes to work out, that's not enough time to get a good workout in. Or if they have to work out from home, that their workout's not going to be good. Now, I'm super guilty of that as well, but it sounds like you've kind of been able to find ways to, one, prioritize it, but to be a bit adaptable with your schedule because you don't know what it is and it's something you don't have control over. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much like perfectly said. Like cool. just try to do the best I can, you know, on days that I work out or that I that I work and I know I'm just not going to have the time for it, I just take that as a rest day. Like in residency for four years, I did 12-hour shifts that were 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And we did pretty much half and half each month, some half nights, half days. And I lived 30 minutes away from the hospital. So it's like, mm. it's just not realistic to work out on those days when I'm gone for 14 hours of the day. So any day that I worked, I would just take that as a rest day. And any day that I was off, I would try to like catch up on stuff and at least fit in a workout at some point during the day. Now it's a little bit easier as an attending. I only work eight, nine or 10 hour shifts. So even if I like, you know, I work 6am to 3pm, I still have the whole afternoon to go get in a workout if I have the energy to. But you know, some days that are just mentally draining, physically exhausting, especially in the ER, it's always chaotic and crazy. <laughs> like sometimes I just come home and I just don't have the energy for it. And that's okay. There's always, you know, tomorrow, it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to beat myself up over it. But, you know, and I think it's important to also remember, though, in that where you said, you know, you're doing the best you can and some days you need to take rest days. I think it's also important to note that maybe in this season of life, you're not working out five days a week. And that's okay, too. You know, a lot of adults can be just fine working out two to three times a week if they're doing good quality workouts and they're managing what they can manage. Now, maybe that means just working on your diet, working on some portion control when and where you can. It doesn't have to be everything all the time, 100%, because I think with that mentality and trying to focus on doing it all, it can be really overwhelming for people. And again, it leads you into that all or nothing mindset and it leads you into just like straight up burnout. Yeah, I was going to say, I really try to stay away from that all or nothing mindset because you know, I just try to make little changes every day. I try to eat healthier on, especially on days that I'm not working out. I just try to be as active and as healthy as I can day to day, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to like go out to eat now and then and enjoy Chipotle or, you know, sushi or something just because I want to work on my goals. Like I, I still fit that in at the same time I'm managing my health. So I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm not really yeah. part of the all or nothing mindset. Like That's I just good. do the best I can every single day and, you know, the rest falls into place. Do you see that there are a lot of your colleagues or people that work in healthcare that don't adapt that same mindset because they are so busy? Well, a lot of my colleagues, I feel like up to this point, aren't really even into health as well, health and wellness much. Like we're not really great as doctors. We're not really good at practicing what we preach. So as much, as much as we like tell patients, it is important to like take care of themselves, take care of their health, eat healthy, work out, stay active. There's lots of doctors and physicians that don't really practice that as well. 
So I don't, I don't know. I had some friends in med school that would work out, but it's pretty much the same group of people that would, that would go to the gym. And, and you know, a lot of people would be too stressed or I'm too busy to go work out. But I mean, and I get that, you know, we all have a lot going on, but if you have like a one hour break where you can just take a study break and go relieve some stress at the gym, then I think that it'd be more beneficial to do that in the long run than sitting there and burning yourself out from studying all the time as well. So that's kind of when I started picking up that, that it's important to take breaks and, and do that for your mental health as well. Yeah. I, it's something I see. And again, yeah, I think that a lot of people have this misunderstanding that every doctor has a nutritional background, even if they are not a dietitian. And so when people go to their doctor and they're experiencing issues, I know you've heard it a lot that doctors prescribe low calorie diets or no to low carb diets for their patients. And my thoughts on that is just like in any career, that doctor can have an opinion about something and that opinion is fine to have. It's just when that patient doesn't feel it's right for them. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, have you heard of this happening or like experienced this? I haven't really. I mean, I guess it's not as much in the ER since I feel like that's not what most people come to the ER for, but I'm sure in like outpatient setting, like primary care doctors and whatnot, when people are trying to like ask their doctor for help and tips on how to like lose weight, I feel like the general practice of, of like still like cutting carbs and cutting calories and all that is still recommended, even though like, I feel like that's not where we're at anymore with, with like research and data, you know, like you can still eat a full balanced diet and increase activity, you can still strength train and like lose weight. So I feel like a lot of that is still like, not being relayed to patients accurately. Yeah. And I think it also, and again, you are the one that gets to see this every day. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But I think a lot of it is that some of these doctors or doctors we automatically think that we want to see are going to be doctors maybe that are older or aren't just out of medical school. And those ideas or what they know is truly what they think is right or is correct. And that's not a bad thing. You know, that's not saying that they're not a great physician. That's just saying that their thought or their education on that particular subject just might not be new. And at the end of the day, they, it's like, it's our choice to choose practitioners that we feel align with us. And we are in charge of our own health as adults. And we have to fight for ourselves. And if you go to a doctor that says, okay, Christian, you need to do this. And you're like, that does not align with anything. It is your responsibility as a patient to seek out like physician or practitioner that does align with your goals. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You don't have to like stick with one doctor if, especially if you feel like they're not, if they're not listening to you, if they're not providing you the care that you feel that you deserve, you know, there's, I mean, yes, we all went to med school, but there is still like better doctors than other doctors. And, you know, like just because they graduated doesn't necessarily mean they're like a great doctor. So you can always find another, you know, that you feel like aligns better with you or listens more to you or is actually giving you, you know, more up-to-date advice or, you know, more up-to-date with the topic that you're, that you're seeking information on. But, you know, that's the thing about medicine is you have to like stay on top of things because things are constantly changing. Like, 
we're constantly advancing. So you can't practice the same medicine that you learned 20 years ago and still practice it the same way. You have to like stay up to date, which is why we do all the continuing medical education and whatnot. And you have to constantly keep up with the research and data because things are constantly, you know, changing every day pretty much. Yeah. And at the end of the day, yes, medicine is science, but people are still going to have opinions about certain things, you know? So I think people have to remember that. I know obviously personal training is not a perfect comparison, but it's like we all have certifications, but that doesn't mean that what I believe is right or the way I train, it could be vastly different from the way somebody else trains that has the same exact certifications as I do. And same goes for nutrition. Like I believe certain things about nutrition from what I've seen in my experiences, but somebody else that has these same certifications and the same education might have a completely different view on that. And it's the same thing in medicine. Yeah, that's true. I think that's really hard for people to rationalize because, you know, we hear it all the time that people, you know, they go to the doctor, they get advice that doesn't align with them. It's something that is quite frankly, shitty advice. And they're like, well, just another doctor. And then people write off, like they write off medicine and they think that doctors aren't the right way to go and that they can only go the holistic route. Now, I am not saying anything is wrong with going the holistic route. If that's what you choose to do and you think that aligns with your goals, But I also don't necessarily think it's totally fair to write off every doctor and say, you know, they're all bad or they're all just being paid by big pharma because that's not, that's not really the case. One bad experience really can like change people's opinions, you know, and they will stick with that feeling. Like they have one bad experience and they're, that's what they're going to remember. Not all the positive experiences, and yeah, I, I find that to be really challenging because again, I've I have had some really great experiences. I've had some amazing doctors and some doctors that weren't so amazing. I saw a, a physician for years that told me something wasn't wrong or that I had no issues, and then I saw somebody else, and they're like, "I can't believe that is what somebody told you." And so it's just you know, again, we have to as yeah. adults protect ourselves and follow our guts. If we think that that advice or whatever is given to us isn't correct, then we have to either fight back for it because we have we have to take our, our health into consideration. And I think that that's really, really important to consider. Yeah. I think trusting your gut is always a really important thing. That's yeah. – I agree. <laughs> I agree. There's probably a reason for yeah. it. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit more again about kind of routine and like finding a routine. And I'd love to hear what you advice you give to people. I'm assuming that a lot of times your followers reach out to you asking for advice, whether it be exercise advice or finding routine advice. So like what are some pieces of advice you give to people when they say, hey, I have a busy schedule and I don't know how to, to fit everything in? eating healthy, finding a routine, getting enough sleep? Like what are some solid pieces of advice you can give people? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just like kind of like starting small, like starting with like small goals that you can achieve day to day and then kind of adding on to it, you know, like you're not going to necessarily jump into things like full swing 100%, 100% of the time. I feel like making like little changes every day, like you know, going, going to the grocery store and buying, trying to buy like healthier foods or learn more about 
nutrition. So, you know, you know, how to better have a better diet and eat healthier. And then, you know, I always thought like when I go grocery shopping, I'm less likely to go out to eat because I have groceries at home. So I don't want to spend money out of a restaurant when I already have food at home I can cook or, you know, with going to the gym, like, I think it's important to find some type of activity that actually you actually enjoy. Like, like I started off with cardio and I hated it. And I therefore thought that I hated working out, but it was just what I was doing that I didn't like. So I think it's important to like try different things. Like if, if, you know, you don't like running, then, then try weightlifting or yoga or Pilates or cycling or swimming or something to keep yourself active. It doesn't have to necessarily be going to the gym. There's millions of other things you can do to stay active without going to the gym. Um, And, you know, like finding someone to keep you accountable is another like tip, you know, like a friend, a partner, you know, getting a trainer, you know, someone to hold you accountable for, for going to the gym. And then I feel like once, you know, you start making those baby steps and you start to feel better and you start to enjoy what you're doing, then it turns into something that you actually look forward to every day. And then it's kind of slowly but surely becomes like a part of your routine and you don't feel like you have to go out of your way. It's something that you're looking forward to instead of something that you're dreading doing every day and just kind of setting aside a chunk of time when you, when you have the time on certain days to, to get that done. Those are the biggest, yeah. I would say. I love that. Yeah. I think those are all really, really great tips. Now take me through like your nutrition routine? Are you meal prepping for the week? Like how are you setting yourself up for success when it comes to that? Because you mentioned sometimes you're working 10 hours a day, which that's a long day. You know, you're going to be standing most of the time. You're doing a job where it takes a lot of energy. So like, are you, are you preparing food? Like how do you, how do you do that? Yeah. So, I mean, especially in the ER, we, we pretty much have to, you have to bring your own food if you're going to eat. Cause we don't really even have, we don't have a designated lunch time. There's no designated time for you to go eat or go to the cafeteria. Even the cafeteria is even too far away for me to leave the ER with like 15 active patients just to go get some food because something could happen at any minute. So it's important that I try to bring food every single shift, like little, little things I can snack on, like little high protein snacks that I can snack on. I bring like a meal, like whether it just be like a frozen meal or something I've already prepared, you know, for the week, then just bring that. And there's like a little doctor's lounge that has like a fridge and microwave and whatnot. And then try to go sneak away at a good time and and eat it really fast while I'm on shift. That's pretty much the best I can do at work. Um, but you know, like on a regular, on a regular day, just try to eat three healthy meals at home. I mean, I, I have celiacs, so I can't have gluten. So I've been dealing with that for 25 years. I was diagnosed when I was like five years old. So there's already a huge portion of things I can't eat. So I do my best to, you know, just try to eat as healthy as possible when I'm at home. But I, um, I know I've tried like tracking, I've tried like, you know, tracking macros or whatnot, but that just doesn't work with my chaotic schedule and it's just more stressful than anything. So, I mean, sometimes it's just like grab whatever I can just to eat something and, and that's okay. At least I have something in my, in my system, but you know, the, the diet part is a work in progress for me every day. It's not like I eat healthy all the time. Like... (laughs) That's the thing I probably struggle with the most is is staying on track with that. But um, I just had a huge like lack of knowledge of like what was even healthy and what wasn't when I was in college. Like after I was diving and realized like everything I was eating was terrible. Frozen meals, like every meal <laughs> that are like 
full of like salt and fat and like all these hidden ingredients and it's like advertised as healthy and it's not healthy at all. So learning to cook for myself and just learning to look at ingredients and, you know, learning what's healthy and what's not, I think is a huge step. Absolutely. But you also made a really good point of finding what worked for you. You know, you tried tracking and it wasn't for you. And I will always say, you know, it it is not for everybody. Sure. If you have a weight loss goal or a specific like muscle building goal, is that going to be the easiest way to get there? Yes. But that doesn't mean that you can't still stay fit without tracking. Like you absolutely can. And sometimes you just have to figure out what works best. And for you with a busy schedule, you also said, you know, grabbing snacks. I, a lot of clients that are busy always tell me like, I'm so busy. I'm not hungry because you're doing a million things. And especially nurses, like they don't have the ability to just step away and grab food. And what I learned from a lot of my nursing clients is they really don't even have the ability to like get water because they're not only allowed to keep their water on the floor. And so I think that just having quick, easy things that you can have is okay. We're told all the time, like eat three well-balanced meals, but let's be real. Like not everybody has time to eat a well-balanced meal. And so, and that doesn't mean that they can't later in life, but you have to be able to adapt to what works for you. And if you're somebody who struggles with not like you're not hungry often for that big meal, I joke like make an adult lunchable for yourself. I had a client who did the most genius thing. She bought like a compartment box. It was kind of like a crayon box and would put snacks in there for herself that had different macros. So she had like her fats, she had her carbs, she had her protein things in there and she would snack on it during her shifts so that she could at least get some nutrition in, even though it wasn't a full meal, it technically was because it had all of the components of everything she needed, but it was set up in a way that felt a little quote unquote snackier and it was easier for her to eat mentally and didn't leave her feeling super full. And so I thought that was genius. It's actually really smart. (laughs) There you go. There's your tip. Because I'm like definitely guilty of like, or being so like so busy, you like push it to the back of pack of your mind and then all of a sudden you're like starving and you realize you haven't like eaten the whole shift and it's been like eight hours I'm like I know that's not healthy but like you're you're so in the moment and so busy at work like it's not you're not putting yourself as a priority you're taking care of other people so I think that's really that's a smart idea to just bring little snacks or at least something that you can just like munch on you don't even have to like go microwave it or go get it from the fridge just just have it with you and just little munchies Okay. So Kristen, last question. As somebody who is constantly serving other people, how do you make time for yourself and how do you keep your mental health in check so that you're not just constantly burdened by the stress of helping everybody but yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I honestly probably don't do enough just to be upfront about like taking care of my, you know, doing things for myself. Like, for me, working out has always been a huge stress relief. And that's kind of how I get out most of that like frustration and anger and stress or whatever. But I, you know, I mean, I, I do like talk about things with my boyfriend in a confidential way, obviously. Um, you know, if I have any, anything that was like super stressful about the day, he's always somebody that I can vent to. I have my dogs that I snuggle with, but like, I've, I've never really like talked about, you know, therapy or anything like that or journaling I've never really been good at that kind of stuff I guess I'm not good at like talking about 
my emotions. <laughs> it's something I need to work on. Um, but, you know, I have, you know, good, good supportive family and friends. If I ever need anything or need to talk to any, anyone that they're always there for me and they're always understanding. But good. Yeah. I think that's so important to remember that we have to prioritize ourselves, especially when you are in a career where you're constantly serving other people. It can feel really overwhelming. Even in my career of, of just constantly doing things for everybody else, we feel like we just don't have enough energy to give ourselves that love. And for you, maybe that doesn't look like therapy or journaling. Now, I'm not good at journaling either. Uh, so I don't I don't recommend that too often. Although- I feel like everyone always talks about that on social media. I'm like, I just never know what to say and I just feel awkward. It doesn't doesn't work. Hey, for and me. that's okay. You have to find things that work for you. But I, you know, like you do prioritize working out because that is something that you can do for yourself. It sounds like you prioritize time with the people that are important to you. And we so often forget to do that because it's easy to to not prioritize that. And so I think it's great that you're at least able to to do that. Okay, I lied. One last question for you. What is one piece of advice you would give to somebody that is just starting out their fitness journey and is feeling very nervous about about doing so? I would say just, you know, give yourself some, you know, give yourself some grace, give yourself time and don't feel like you need to like rush into things. Um, you know, like little baby steps, like I was saying earlier, just take things slow and, you know, slowly you will kind of build up that confidence until you are feeling more, you know, ready and comfortable in your own skin and, and confident and, you know, whatever movement you're getting into and, you know, your, your diet and daily routine, like just give yourself like time and, and grace to adjust to a new kind of way of living and give yourself you know, good support. I love it. I love it. Got to give yourself support. <laughs> Got to lean on some people if you need it. There are always people yeah. around. And if you need additional support, You're never alone. people can always <laughs> go to you on Instagram and get support directly from you. Always. You can always reach out. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for taking time. I know you have a very rare uh, couple of days off. So I appreciate you <laughs> taking this past hour on one of your off days to sit down and chat with me. It's great to go off of just social media interactions and actually have one-on-one conversations with people. Again, social media is great for so many things. And one of those is connecting with other people. So thank you so much for being here. And to everybody listening, remember to be bold, to be confident, and to be you. We'll be right back.